For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? On today's show, Elena Getzenberg, Panthers beat writer for the Charlotte Observer, talks new acquisition Eli Apple, owner David Tepper, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. Lots to dig into this week, but first, it's the opening drive. Three reasons why the Carolina Panthers may be a little bit better than people are expecting in 2020 here in the upcoming NFL season. Reason number one, owner David Tepper. He's a boss. And I don't mean just any kind of boss. Like, I'm not talking about your boss or that old boss you had, boss at Burger King, the boss at Jiffy Lube. No, 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 no. David Tepper is a boss of bosses. And by that, I mean he knows what he wants. He goes out and he gets what he wants. And he rarely is denied what he wants. What does he want? He wants a successful franchise year in and year out in the NFL. And who's going to tell him he can't have it? He's the richest owner in the entire league. Man's currently worth $13 billion as of today's recording, uh, which dwarfs any other owner in the NFL. He has resources available to him that no other owner has. And we've begun to see some of that come into play. They're building a brand new headquarters and practice facility for the Panthers across the border in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Uh, They're going to probably be building some sort of Tepper World Dome downtown Charlotte, I would imagine, probably in the next five years or so. Why? Because David Tepper wants it. David Tepper wanted a major league soccer franchise in Charlotte, made it happen. The Charlotte team will be playing here. David Tepper did that. Why? Because David Tepper wanted it. So there's no reason to believe that this man who has, through his entire life has been able to work to get what he wants. If he wants a Super Bowl contender, a Super Bowl winner in Charlotte, who's to say that he can't have it? His track record shows that if he wants it, he'll get it. The man watched the Pittsburgh Steelers run their franchise for years as a minority owner in the franchise. So what did that give him? That gave him a foundation as an owner to know what to do. Hire long-term head coaches. Have great people in position to, to help you with the draft, to be able to organize and be able to figure out pegs to fit on your roster mid-round picks, put a system in place so that you can, one player leaves, one player wants too much money, one player gets hurt, one player retires, you can plug another player in, the system is not bothered. A dedicated fan base. Who has more of a dedicated fan base in the NFL than the Pittsburgh Steelers? Seriously. They travel with the team, 
better than any other fan base, save maybe the maybe the Cowboys. And you know a Steeler fan when you see him. The terrible towels, the whole mystique, everything. That is 40-plus years of building that excellence. How often does Pittsburgh have a bad record? goes back to what I'm saying. The system, great drafts, long-term head coaches. The Steelers have had two head coaches over the past 30-plus years. They've had three head coaches in the past 60. It's incredible. Reason number two, the Panthers may be better than expected in 2020. They've got Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the league today by far. I know you always hear other names. It's always this guy, that guy. McCaffrey's starting to get some love now, now that he's become the third man in history with 1,000 yards receiving and 1,000 yards rushing in the same season. The boy's unreal. 1,387 yards rushing last year, 15 touchdowns on the ground, 1,005 yards receiving, 116 catches, four TDs in the air, 19 touchdowns total for the season for Christian McCaffrey. And this is in a season where the Panthers bottomed out, went 5-11, and had Kyle Allen at quarterback. 116 catches for a running back. Marshall Falk, Roger Craig, Christian McCaffrey. That's it. History of the league, those are the only three guys that have been able to pull that off. And who's to say McCaffrey's not going to make this a Russell Westbrook triple-double type thing and do this again, run it back next year and the year after? He turns 24 June 7th. Do you understand what that means? That basically means that Christian McCaffrey is entering the peak of his career as a running back right now. See, usually running backs typically hit their peak Right around now, 23, 24, they have a three, four-year stretch where they're at the peak of their physical ability. Peter's out around 28 or so, and I know a lot of people say 30 is the wall for running backs in the NFL. So it's a good thing that the Panthers signed McCaffrey to an extension when they did, because if they didn't, he'd probably be even more expensive a year from now, 18 months from now, two years from now. Ask yourself right now, who would you rather have as a running back right now starting in the NFL and I'll run through the 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 usual suspects here Saquon Barkley New York Giants right he only rushed for 1,003 yards last year on 217 attempts McCaffrey rushed for almost 400 yards more on only about 20 more attempts on the ground Barkley only had 438 yards receiving last year so not as big of a threat in the air as McCaffrey is you can put McCaffrey out in the slot, you can put him out wide, you can run him out of the backfield. Teams have no idea where he's coming from. You can't really do that with Barkley. Plus, Barkley was on a team, the Giants, with no offensive weapons to take touches away from Barkley. They had just traded away Odell Beckham Jr. to Cleveland at the beginning of the season, yet somehow Barkley only gets a thousand yards rushing. Meanwhile, McCaffrey stuck on a five and eleven Carolina Panthers team with Kyle Allen at quarterback. And he's the workhorse. Everyone knows he's getting the ball every play. Yet the kid still contributes to over 2,400 yards total offense for the season. So no to Saquon. Okay, let's find somebody that's closer to McCaffrey's style, right? Alvin Kamara, New Orleans Saints. Kamara only rushed for 798 yards on 171 attempts last year. Now he did have 81 catches but only for 533 yards, which tells me catching a lot of short passes, about 6.6 yards per carry, 
basically helping Drew Brees move the chains, basically was a check down throughout the whole season. Kamara only contributed to six touchdowns for the entire year. And keep in mind, this is a year where, last year, where the Saints traded away Mark Ingram, who was sharing touches with Kamara in the backfield, to make Kamara the featured back. What happens? Kamara gets focused on more by defenses. They figure out more how to take care of it. Kamara has an average year. Would you want Kamara or McCaffrey? I'm still leaning towards McCaffrey. Derrick Henry, Tennessee Titans, running over everybody. He did have 1,500 yards plus rushing last year. 16 touchdowns, monster. But you got to admit, the Titans have a very good offensive line. And he had 500 yards less rushing the year prior in 2018. So who's to say that, you know, maybe that was a flash in the pan year last year and the Titans just got hot. Would you take Derrick Henry over Christian McCaffrey? I don't think so. So those are the two of the three reasons why the Panthers are going to be better than expected next year. Great owner in David Tepper. Best running back in the league in Christian McCaffrey. Number three, Matt Rule is a good coach with a system he believes in. That's the key point. He believes in his system. Now, he's gotten marks for being a quote-unquote college coach. He has no NFL experience, really. He had a short stint with the Giants for like a season. What is he going to do? doesn't understand the NFL game. You know who else they talked about that? about back in the day Jimmy Johnson fresh from Miami national champion 1989 arrives in Dallas has to replace a legend in Tom Landry and what does Johnson do he strips the Dallas roster immediately he put guys that he knew could play in his system from Miami into spots Michael Irvin Russell Maryland rule has done the same thing people aren't paying attention they have cleared this Carolina Panthers roster to the point where there were only three or four guys left on the defense from last year going into this year that have played 40% or more snaps from the prior year. Everyone else, brand new faces or rookies. He picked guys that can play in his system. He's picked up a lot of guys that had played underneath him at Temple, Ed Baylor, his coordinators. He pulled them from where he was. Temple, Baylor is the Jimmy Johnson blueprint. He's smart enough to keep his offensive playmakers that he inherited. We already talked about McCaffrey. He's the best running back in the league. But he was smart enough not to trade Curtis Samuel, and he had offers. Curtis Samuel may be one of the fastest guys on this team, and in a spread offense that Matt Rule may be bringing to Carolina, Curtis Samuel can develop into a Pro Bowl player. DJ Moore can develop into a number one wide receiver. He had 1,000 yards receiving last year. With Kyle Allen at quarterback, I can't stress that enough. Kyle Allen was the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers last year. Then you go and add Robbie Anderson, who would give us problems every time we would play the Jets. He played under rule at Temple, so he understands the system. Blossom into a draft pick underneath Matt Rule. Matt Rule doesn't care what you think. Goes out, makes history, uses all of his first draft picks for the first draft he ever has as a Carolina Panther head coach. What does he do? Spend them all on defense. Made history. No one had ever done that before in the modern Super Bowl era. Really knew what he wanted. That shows a plan. That shows a guy that knows exactly what he wants. And with David Tepper giving him a seven-year deal, we'll have the time to put this together. People need to understand something here. The Panthers and David Tepper are not here just to make some money off the Panthers. David Tepper is here to win a ring 
or rings, plural. And he may have the right coach in place to do it. And he may have the right face of the franchise in place to do it. We need to give him a little bit of time. But we're not going to have to give him a whole lot of time. The Los Angeles Rams flipped their entire roster over in the Super Bowl within two years of Sean McVay taking over. Who's to say that can't happen in Charlotte? It doesn't take five years, eight years to rebuild a franchise in the NFL anymore. Let's find out. Coming up, Elena Getzenberg from the Charlotte Observer weighs in on some of my thoughts regarding David Tepper and the new pickup, Eli Apple, cornerback, now a Carolina Panther. And welcome back to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Desmond Johnson. I am joined by Carolina Panthers beat writer, Elena Getzenberg. Uh, Elena, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, Getting a little antsy for some sort of sports right now. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, I I, I (laughs) I think the... uh, I'm watch. I'm in my second run of the Last Dance right now, just kind of filling in spots and time, and I need some kind of something. So, the, so Carolina Panthers talk will be really, really good. We do have some uh, some moves to actually uh, talk about here. Uh, the Panthers signing cornerback Eli Apple, um, a former first round pick of the New York Giants. He was with the the Saints last year. Um, I know you have a write-up in the Charlotte Observer that our uh, listeners can go to at charlotteobserver.com to find out uh, a little bit more about Eli Apple and the signing. But what would you say, Elena, uh, what does Apple bring to what is now a very, very young Panthers defense where there's only, I believe there's only three returning players that played at least 40% of the snaps last season. Uh, What can Apple provide, uh, especially to the back end of this young defense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the sort of the situation where, Anyone who looked at the roster like before the signing of Eli Apple would have acknowledged that the biggest need, I think it's, it was glaring to me, was just a veteran cornerback. They really, you know, they picked seven defensive guys in the draft. They really addressed the defense, but then that makes it really young. If you're going to attack it in the draft and not free agency, you're going to have a young group. So what Eli Apple brings is four years of experience in the NFL, um, I guess, you know, that time with the Giants and then with the Saints. And, you know, he he's had his ups and downs. He's not someone who, you know, people necessarily think of as a, you know, starting cornerback who's at the top 10 of the league or anything like that. But he's someone who can start for this team, who's going to bring – in top of his experience on the field, off the field, he's been suspended. He's gone through the ups and the downs that come from being a young player in this league. And I think – all around, he makes just that cornerback group, you know, just better. Even though, you know, he might not be the best cornerback in the world, he makes that group better. You did mention that uh, Eli, now he'll be 25 when the season hopefully begins here in the fall. Uh, you did mention that um, he, he's had a little bit of issues, um, you know, with teams. He was suspended at the end of 2017 for arguing with a coach. Um, back then, his uh, teammate with the, uh, with the Giants, Landon Collins, called him an actual cancer uh, to the team. Uh, he apologized, mended fences with the Giants and whatnot, then got traded to the Saints in 2018. Uh, not so much because of that, but I think it was really more of a roster overhaul by our former GM, Dave Gettleman, coming in and just cleaning house. So uh, Apple goes to New Orleans. He starts there, actually started all of last year, except for, if I'm not mistaken, the season finale where he, uh, I think he rolled an ankle or something. So he wasn't yeah. playing. Um, he, now he will be 25 when the season begins. Uh, so by far, he'll be one of the elder statesmen in the secondary, along with uh, Trey Boston. Uh, 
do you think that he can be a long-term solution at cornerback at age 25? I know he signed a one-year deal, but almost like a kind of prove-it type of deal uh, with him. Do you think he's a solution long-term, or do you think this is more of a short-term kind of patch type of solution for the Panthers? Yeah, I like what you just said, a prove-it kind of deal. That's how I view this. I view I think anyone they would have brought in even if it was like a top guy, they're signing a lot of people to one year deals. Cause I think it is kind of, this team is kind of proven. it. I don't know. They have to be realistic with their expectations for this season. So I don't think you would bring someone in who's like, Oh my gosh, this is our answer for the future. And we're just going to sign him to a one year deal. He, this is a prove it contract. And you know, if he plays great, maybe they look into signing him for the long term. I think that's definitely on the table, but I think it's also a strong possibility that, they're just not ready to start Troy Pride. They don't want him out there, their fourth-round pick, week one, and he's kind of a buffer until they feel like Troy's ready, and then they can put him out there. I think if he plays great, he could be a long-term answer, but I don't think he needs to be. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Troy Pride because uh, when I saw the signing yesterday, my immediate thought was they're bringing him in to kind of compete or to have pride compete with him so that it's not just a, a starting cornerback position, this fourth round cornerback that we drafted automatically inherits because there's no one in front of him. Um, Apple had signed a one-year deal with the Raiders. Um, I think back in April, two sides couldn't really get to a final deal. So he went back out in the free agency market. And now uh, Eli Apple will be a Carolina Panther in 2020 on the line with Elena Getzenberg from the, uh, from the Charlotte observer. She is the beat writer for the Carolina Panthers. Um, Elena wanted to talk a little bit about how COVID-19 has affected the ability of first year head coach, Matt rule to actually implement his, uh, his style, his scheme, his, his, his footprint on this, uh, on this franchise. Can you talk a little bit about how, and I know that you guys have been limited as well in terms of, being able to be in front of some of these players and coaches and whatnot. I know it's a lot of zoom meetings and things of that sort, but uh, what, what, what are your gut instincts in terms of how hard has it been for a first year head coach like Matt rule without voluntary OTA so far this season due to COVID-19? Cause technically right now we'd be in the middle of voluntary OTAs and getting ready to go to training camp in like a month. So how far behind do you think they are? Or do you think they are far behind? Yeah, it's interesting because I can tell you from a media perspective, we also, like you mentioned, you know, there's a little less access than usual. But I can tell you that, you know, I think it's a little, I think they are obviously because it's a young coaching staff, a lot, not young in terms of experience in the NFL. They're mostly coming from the college side. And this is everyone's learning a new scheme, literally everyone. Like, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater has some familiarity with the offense from his time with Joe Brady in New Orleans, but still a lot of new. So I definitely think they're at an inherent disadvantage from other teams that have had the same group together for years and years, like the Saints. But on the other hand, every team is dealing with this. And I think what they've been doing is holding these virtual meetings where they're really just learning the playbook, which players need to do now anyway because it's all new um and you know i think they're getting by it seems like you know i they've been they're getting tests to make sure they know the material which is sounds like a blast but (laughs) it really seems like you know they keep saying they're making the best of the situation and it's not like they're the only team that you know is dealing with this but sure i think you can't say uh any rookie head coach you know this is a disadvantage to not be able to get his guys on the field for sure 
Yeah. And, you know, on one hand, you could say, you know, well, all the teams are behind the eight ball because none of them can meet together. But, you know, like you just put, Elena, I mean, with a rookie head coach, rookie coordinators, most of the defense feels like they're rookies. So you're it's a lot of stuff to try to install and to not be able to be there with the players daily and to to talk to them on on that level. Um, I I imagine it has to be hard. Now, I know owner David Tepper mentioned um, that. A, he thinks there will be fans in the stands for uh, NFL games uh, this season. And then also, I think the plan for the Panthers, uh, they were going to start reporting after June 1st uh, to Bank of America Stadium. Is that still correct? Or have you heard anything anything different regarding players being able to start coming into the uh, the stadium? Yeah, players see, won't be. They just extend. The players won't be in at least for a couple weeks. They extended the virtual um, whatever you want to call it, virtual training period until June 12th. Um, just earlier this week. So there's going to be a longer time before the players are in there. The Panthers have yet to open their facility. The latest I've heard is early June. So I'm guessing sometime next week, you know, or in the coming days, we're going to see members of the Panthers organization returning to Bank of America Stadium. It could involve coaches at some point. That's not yet allowed by the league. But I think we're going to slowly see them start going back to the facility. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's not players there until training camp. I don't think that's wherever training camp is going to be. That's a big question, too. But I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get players on the field until that point. Uh, on the line with us, Elena Getzenberg from the Charlotte Observer. She is the Carolina Panthers beat writer. If I'm not mistaken, this will be your first uh, year on the beat for the Carolina Panthers, correct? Yes, I joined in November. <laughs> okay, so so you've had some time. So you had a little pre-COVID-19 exposure to the team before uh, everything kind of hit the fan. Uh, and you, so that's what a good five, six months now that you've been with the team, covering the team and mm-hmm. uh, everything, all the changes that have happened uh, since the really since the middle of uh, last season. What are your uh, what are your initial thoughts on owner David Tepper, who is the the richest owner in the NFL? Um, he seems like a guy that says what he's going to do and then he goes out and does it. Uh, what, what are your initial thoughts on David Tepper? And do you feel as if he is trying to push towards somewhere down the road, building some sort of newer domed stadium downtown charlotte the answer to that is yes <laughs> That's for sure yes absolutely where that stadium will be i think is still under some we'll see there's some land that just opened up but we'll see if they take advantage of that um so yes to that question there's a stadium in the future um my view of david tepper i've actually gotten a good exposure he Got, he chose to talk to the media a lot right when I joined covering the team. Um, and he's a character. Like <laughs> He's got a personality. He's not afraid to share what he has to say. I covered Jerry Jones before I joined the Observer. And, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's not Jerry Jones, but there are characteristics where, like, if you get David Tepper in a room, he's going to tell you how he feels about something. Or he'll he's definitely got his personality. He's not afraid to be flashy. They're very different people, but <laughs> they've got that in common. Um, and I think he's someone, he just, he, whatever actions he takes, whatever, I believe that he wants, that he like really desperately wants this team to be good, to be successful, um, in, and hopefully in the way he wants it to be constructed. But it's definitely someone who's very passionate about this team actually having success and Someone, I think we've all, if you've followed the Panthers offseason, someone who's okay if it takes time. Um, I don't think anyone in that building necessarily thinks it's going to be an overnight thing. This is something that they're building for the long term. So I think he's on board with that. And 
is trying to, you know, now it's, this is his first head coach he's hired. So it's kind of his vision for the team going forward. How do, how do you feel right now on a scale of one to 10 in terms of us starting the NFL regular season on time in September with one being not very likely, 10 being highly likely, where would you say we are right now? That's a good question. I mean, I think luckily for the NFL, which I don't think we can understate enough, they're going to get to see these other leagues try to do it. And I think that's going to be huge. Like the NHL and the NBA are going to give it a full go and they'll just and whatever baseball is doing. But (laughs) we're going to get to see other people try and get their leagues up. And, you know, right now, I don't know, maybe a six, a seven starting on time to me is somewhat iffy because I could see training camp getting bumped back some and then everything else getting bumped back. Mm. Um, So I think it's, there is an odds of that. I wouldn't be surprised, but I think the NFL wants it to start on time so badly that that could push it to be more realistic, but it's a little unknown right now. (laughs) I keep kind of in the back of my head, this old picture that's been floating around on social media from like 1920 when like uh, Spanish flu was uh, prevalent and, uh, they were playing college football and everyone was wearing masks in the stands. And I think the players themselves were wearing protective masks also. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, every time I just keep that in the back of my head, like there's a last resort option that they might, the NFL is the, the one league that might try to pull that off. Uh, Cause they're kind of trucking along as if nothing's stopping this train, like no matter what it is, like we're going to do everything we normally do on the dates we set forth and, you know, we'll see what happens when we get there, but uh, interesting uh, info, great content from Elena Getzenberg. Elena, tell them how they can get to your content uh, online. Um, beat, beat writer for the uh, Charlotte observer for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. You can go to charlotteobserver.com and click on sports and Panthers and all the info will be there. And then I'm also at Twitter on Twitter at a Getzenberg. And you can, if you're still into picking up a newspaper, <laughs> you can <pick> up <laughs> Charlotte Observer too. they're in grocery stores and all that fun stuff. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on board for the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. And I absolutely hope that you will come on uh, again so we can get more into um, moves and players and coaches and things as we get further and further into the summer uh, and truck along to actual training camp and pads hitting pads. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 